What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 26. No! The. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers, their annual <laughs> journey to the Nova <laughs> Convention. <laughs> Did you say Nova saying, convention? I didn't know that was going for tears. I thought we were we were going Ooh. to like maybe a legal place for a second there. <laughs> the Corona convention. Yeah. Uh, Playing games that they love and balancing life with those games. My name is Jared Johnson. I'm here with Trey Side. No. Yes. I'm here. I'm Danny here. Sad, but here. What up? And Jason tabled Newbury. I don't know how I feel. I don't think any of us knows how we feel. What is what is feel anyway? Exactly. <laughs> what is human interact? What is the human experience in that's these right. modern times? Yeah, that's what we'll be covering on tonight's podcast. <laughs> We're getting heavy. No. Um, yeah. So uh, more to cover than usual. Um, basically because in case you didn't know, the Big Nova news. Open Convention has been canceled, largely 100% due to uh, you know COVID-19 concerns, the safety of the players, the safety of the vendors, the safety of the volunteers. Um, we'll get into that. Um, we also want to talk about some more new 40K stuff, which is exciting. And, uh, and then we'll spend a little bit of time talking about Warhammer Underworlds Online. But as usual, before we get into the the full topic, we do want to catch up with everyone. So what's everybody been up to? Trace? I've been painting Admech. And um, really, as far as hobbying goes, that's about it. I'm almost done with two Castellan robots, five Sakaran infiltrators, a Daedalus, and a cybernetic Datasmith. Uh, I I enjoy when we all talk about our hobby progress. Like we have to look to the side. They're like, hmm, what did I do? Shit, <laughs> <laughs> no. shit, 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 shit! I gotta make something up. I gotta make something up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was really just looking for visual reference about exactly what I was painting. We all did. Yeah. Uh, I just you know the vision, the visual connection helps with the names. Like, um, I put paint on models. That's what I do. Yeah. 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 Um, that's really about it. I've not really, I've played a few more rounds of, um, the Mechanicus video game. It's a lot of fun. That's kind of what sparked me to paint these fellas over here. Um, but other than that, not a whole lot. Spending a lot of time catching up, uh, or actually, um, watching a lot of movies with the wife. Uh, we are working our way through all of the Marvel series right now, which has been nice. fun. So that's been good quality time. Yeah, it was. It's been awesome so far. She's actually like into it now, which is good. Parents to watch them. Do my what? Parents have never seen them. I got my parents to watch the whole thing. It went hard. Like, it oh, took yeah? Them like yeah, it took them like a month to watch the first phase, basically, and then like I two weeks later, it's like, oh, we're watching Ant Man and the Wasp, and then. Endgame this weekend. I was like, Jesus, what did you guys nice. do? Just spent the whole time watching movies, but Love Man was obsessed. Big fan. Nice. Yeah, so that's about a, that's about what I've been up to. Danny, what you been up to? 
Uh, I did some painting as well. Um, I painted my Black Panther miniature for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Uh, I've got got a, a, a Hulk in progress that is nearly done. Uh, and then I bought I bought some stuff. I bought Nebula and Gamora for Marvel Crisis Protocol because uh, Atomic Mass started shipping stuff again, so you get that sweet new dopamine hit of plastic crack and nice uh, and that's really just about it the highlight highlight of the week was definitely just getting my email that said hey there's a new thing that you already paid for that you can just go pick our store right now nice. yes i miss that feeling um so i'm excited to deal with what i'm sure will be a bunch of fiddly female mcp <laughs> models because that's just how they do <laughs> how about you j-rod so I don't have to look to the side because I haven't done anything model-wise since our last recording. So I mean, I could look over there and look at all of the things that I haven't done. But it, yeah, models. Um, yeah, models. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, no, but it, I have been playing um, some more Hammer Underworlds online, kind of more regularly, popping on when I get the chance. Um, just trying to find something to play that. Um, you know, somewhat resembles a tabletop experience at this point. Um, so, and it's it's been enjoyable, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, but I was having a conversation with Trace earlier this week, and I think I'm getting to the point now where I need to just download an audiobook and put it on. And this is basically Trace Trace's advice verbatim: is to just download an audiobook, pick up a model and a paintbrush, and just start painting. Like, because um, it has been. It has probably been 50 days since I put brush to model. And why is that? Just no motivation? Or? Yeah, it's just utter lack of motivation. Nothing to look forward to. Not, like no planned events. Um, it's probably been less time than that, I think. I did a little bit of work on Hrothgorn's Man Trappers early uh, in the quarantine. Yeah, yeah, that really was that was pretty in early in quarantine. I mean, we've so, been in quarantine for almost four months now. So stop fibbing, you big fibber. Big fibby <laughs> fib fibber fib. No, I feel yeah. biggest fibber. Yeah. I but feel you though. Yeah, like that's that, it. That motivate lack of motivation for for not not being able to go out and play with your toys. It's like, man, like yeah. I have all this time, but I don't know when I'm gonna get to play with them again. So. Right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, like, on my end, my painting motivation has been higher. And I think that has to do with, like, I, I got into this hobby more as, like, a collector than a player. And so, like, the collecting bug. Like, I, I bought a display case for my miniatures a few weeks ago. And so I have, like, a glass case. And it's it's pretty mint. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, it, <laughs> like, putting them into that case and just having, like, a nice home for them it was like, oh, yeah, like... I, it, it fueled the collecting part of it for me. And so now it's like, I don't really care if I ever play with these things. It's just nice to like have my collection that I can look at. I'm like the little mermaid. I like to see my stuff and look at it and be like, look at all of my things that I have. Yeah. I'm, I'm like Smog the Dragon meets Little Mermaid. <laughs> I just like to sit uh, in my hoard of stuff. <laughs> Who's it's and what's it's? Yep. Lore, baby. Well, Thing of Bob's got 20. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine what smog would sound like singing the I want to be where the people are. Yeah. You know, I, I was going to say, I too am like the Little Mermaid, but that's because I want to be where the people are. 
Well, I think, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch probably isn't up to much right this moment. So if we, we made it happen, probably get a hashtag going to get him to sing it. Probably. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But that's it for me. Jason, what have you been up to? Uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, you know, jumping in on your conversation on lacking motivation, for me, what do I do mostly? I play a lot of remote Underworlds. Uh, and I have not recently. And it's because of lack of motivation. It's like, okay, I'm going to tweak this deck. I'm going to get these reps in to go to the local club to do what? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so I've kind of... No, you're not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. So, yeah, definitely definitely slow down on, you know, just the playing of Underworlds uh, because I don't see when when that will happen on a regular basis. Um, but has not stopped Hobby Progress. I put together uh, Castigators um, since our last time we recorded. I already had the Hex Race or whatever they are. The They're not Hex Race. They're the Glaive the Wraith Stalkers. Glaive, yeah, there you go. Glaive Wraith Stalkers. Um, put those together. Those are off to paint at Dark Bunny Studios. Dropped those off this week, as well as I may have dropped off a Stormcast Warband for uh, Warcry. So, nice. Um, yeah, so I picked up the Stormcast uh, Warcry box and dropped off that whole thing. I figure I already have enough Stormcast painted um, for. Underworlds might as well go war cry and who knows where it'll go from there. So, um, really, really like the, the scheme that, that we have for, um, for the Stormcast Eternals. Uh, it's kind of like that purple gray, gray armor with purple highlights. I'm a fan of purple, so might as well get them to all match up and, and who knows where it'll go, uh, on the, the grander scheme of theme things. Um, and then other than that, my hobby progress is, uh, been focused on getting Twitch and video recording devices set up because who knew in a quarantine zone how hard it is to get your hand on some technology. Um, <laughs> like I have stalked websites for webcams and you know uh, camera mounts and stuff like that. Like some stuff's easy to find, some stuff's easy to find marked up, easy to find normal prices, and webcams are premium. So currently I have two webcams, uh, got the full setup ready to do full cam games, maybe some, some recording. And then more importantly, have, you know, you guys over and actually record Underworlds, um, you know, in person and maybe post that to the Twitch and maybe YouTube. Um, but if you're, you know, the other thing too, is we are now streaming these recordings live. So been working a lot in OBS and learning all that fun stuff. So my hobbies have just have shifted from little miniature men's to back to technology. So, and like trace still playing a lot of video games, a lot of underworlds online. Uh, and then gladius, uh, uh, Warhammer 40 K gladius, right? Isn't that, is that the full title? Something like that. I can't remember you know, the name. It's Warhammer 40,000 gladius relic wars. Which is a turn-based um, 4x strategy game, and good lord, I have lost nights. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm like the whole nights. Like I have not played a video game like that in a long time. I know I talked about it last show, same thing. Uh, it's happened again, and I'm like to the point I don't even want to boot that game up because it's like if I boot it up, I want to play like, 200 turns and be up till three o'clock in the morning and not even finish the game. 
but it is fantastic because it is all things that I like about um, Warhammer and video games. You have base management, resource management, unit management, um, and then you attack and kill things. So <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Just add a bonus on top. So that's what I've been up to. Cool. So Trace has done some painting. Danny's done some painting. I've done nothing. <laughs> and Jason isn't doing miniatures anymore. He's going to become a vlogger. Essentially. Yeah. Well. <laughs> cool. Well, any, uh, any home projects, Jared? Have you, did you do any home projects? Uh, I bought an inflatable pool and fixed it after yeah, it got a leak, as they do, because it's Strong an inflatable start. vinyl pool. Yeah. I, I broke in, fixed a bed. Nice. Hey, oh. Oh, Nelly. <laughs> Getting down in the COVID quarantine. Uh, mm, wish that was the circumstances, but no, that's mm. not what happened. Um, yeah. I mm. bro- broke James's bed, like, put my knee on it to, like, go change the sheets and mm. just. <laughs> and I was like, well. Yep. Um, so I went to Lowe's and got some nice, I fixed it. It's all good. Fixed it. No, fixed it. Yeah. Hey, I fixed the kid's slide today with, I've used this more times than not when it comes to fixing things around the house. Green stuff. I green stuff to slide today. <laughs> nice. Did you, sand it? Dr- Did you got to sand it? And then paint back over it. Well, I didn't paint it. So the side's already green. So it's like just blends in perfectly. But this nice. side, slide had a crack in it. Put some super glue. Put green stuff in there. And then That's drilled awesome. another hole. And then had to like smooth it over the top. So the kids close when it get caught. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Green, green stuffed over the top. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. perfect. Your awesome. high school car was like 90% Bondo, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Like we've broken blinds. You know, bl- like. Yeah whatever blinds in the in the house we've broken them and i've like taken my dremel and drilled this small hole through the the veneer and then then put wire uh you know like wire you'd use to pin something in a model and put that in there bam done actually done yep actually so my son has gotten into into these four and a half inch mario figures and one of them is lemmy who's one of the koopa kids and he's got like a green plant for hair and my son thought that he could twist the hair Turns out you can't, but it twisted right off. So <laughs> I definitely used my pin vise nice. and some brass rod and some glue stick. So I pinned an action figure back together. So I guess that See, counts. There you go. Yeah. Uh, hobby hobby stuff in normal life. It's great. That's right. Uh, so, well, we'll take a break here and we'll come back for the next section. And we're back. Um, so we got some really sad news this week, guys, and I figure that it's just best just to get it out and talk about it and feel the feelings. Um, so we found out this week that Nova had been canceled due to COVID. Um, I think we all kind of knew that the writing was on the wall a little bit, um, just with the way some of the other larger conventions and events have gone. So, but now we actually have the official news. Um, So with that comes a few questions. Um, One directly relates to the four of us and what we are doing here. 
Um, so my first question to you guys is, how do you feel that this affects the podcast? I will start with, uh, let's start with Danny. Danny uh, doesn't have an opinion about anything. Don't start with him. Yeah, I never have anything to say about it. But I'm also, I find it funny that I got to start this when I'm the one that's here like a third of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be interesting, right? Because that's part of the mission statement of every podcast, right? It's chronicling the lives of four busy gamers and their annual, now semi-annual trip to the Novo. <laughs> that's right. And, um, <laughs> Uh, so I think it does kind of change to a certain degree, the near future, right? Like we're not going to be building towards Nova, which I think was something that we were kind of leaning on for expected hashtag content. It was like, we were going to be kind of getting into that final push where, you know, none of us were prepared <laughs> and we were painting feverishly and trying to get games in feverishly and, and rule up men and and then you know getting time off and upsetting our significant others because we forgot to mow the lawn or something and the whole the whole renova thing and that's not going to happen this year um but it might be nice it might give us some opportunities to kind of maybe go deeper into a topic rather than trying to scatter shot you know four people doing four different things because like while we were all preparing for nova we were all doing it in different ways like I was going to be preparing for Lord of the Rings and in Marvel Crisis Protocol, you guys were mostly going to be focusing on Underworlds and then Trace and Jared were going to be doing Age of Sigmar. And so like, it was going to be kind of kind of crazy. So uh, maybe it'd be nice to kind of maybe regroup, but we'll see what happens. Jason, I kind of feel like you're one of the driving forces behind the scenes. So what do you think on, on all this? I mean, I, it definitely shifts uh, focus. It's sad because, you know, we do kind of base on what are we working on in our hobby. And I think we've already covered through this episode that motivation may not be there because without having Nova there looming, I mean, we can all say like, oh, look, yeah, Nova's coming, Nova's coming. But we knew, like no one, I mean, Trace is painting Admech. Like he's not painting Age of Sigmar. Like that's one of the biggest thing that, that they had to get done. Jared's on hiatus. Like you probably were the only one you know, you did you did your thing for Nova, and now you're moving into Marvel Crisis Protocol. So you're like the only one that was working on any hobby um, for that. So it's going to shift that. But I think that you know, there's some other things looming here on the horizon with you know a potential revitalization revitalization of the group to get back into to uh, 40k, which can definitely spark the content um, you know for the podcast and more importantly for us. I mean, you know, the we've been separated as well through through the quarantines and lockdowns, like we're typically hanging out two, three times a month and we have, we haven't done that. So we'll get, we'll get spun back up and, and get some men at work board games going on or whatever it is. Um, wear rubber gloves. Yeah. Rubber so gloves. I, know, which I think we'll give you an unfair advantage. So maybe <laughs> I mean, gloves. so, as, but as far as the podcast goes, we'll just have to shift and, and, you know, hopefully Nova happens next year and we can spin it back up. But I, what I would really, really like to do is get together on that, that weekend or a weekend around then, um, you know, at some sort of distant location. Not too distant, but distant enough where if the wife calls and says, mow my lawn, I'm like, no, I don't want to mow your lawn. It's my lawn. I don't want to do it. 
<laughs> Giggity. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> yeah. So I th- I think it's a hey, I think Jared, it's a Will you mow my lawn? No. <laughs> I think the correct answer to that question is no. <laughs> will you will you trim my bushes? Oh here we go. Also no. I'm a hundred percent sure that the answer to that question oh. is no. I've got a rather large one out front, so. Yeah, so I think I'm so, I, was, I think I'm somewhere Jared's in the range of Danny and Jason. Yeah, well, and what's great about this is that anybody that's watching this recording that doesn't know me now learns that, like, I could not be embarrassed at all. Like, I could be completely comfortable with the situation, and my face goes beet red anyway. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that has its Whoa. disadvantages mostly. Um, but yeah, so for the podcast, you know, I think a lot of what Danny was saying is going to ring true. I think it does give us the opportunity to kind of dig into certain topics where we were scattered before. Um, I think just by sheer happenstance with the new version of 40 K personally, like I'm kind of excited to finish painting my Tyranid now and see what they look like on the tabletop in this new edition. Um, you know, it's the second army that I ever collected uh, that, you know, originally they were sold, um, but now I'm collecting them again and it, I'll be interested to see kind of how that works itself out. Um, but then, you know, with, uh, with the no major event to go into, I think, it's up to us now to either create those events or create kind of micro goals for ourselves, um, share those as a part of the podcast and then, and cover that. So that, and those goals could be to get a certain number of games in or to, you know, to get a certain set of models painted or, or whatever the case is. Um, but I like the idea, Jason, of us getting together. I think for me, since that week was kind of already blocked off on the calendar anyway, that week would probably be the best week, but obviously that we can be flexible. Uh, but I, I definitely want us to get together and get out of our houses and go to a place to game. And it can be, you know, a little micro Nova South or whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but where we get, you know, at least wink. West, Western wank, Western North Carolina. <laughs> We're gonna no. go for a wank, boys. We're gonna no. go wank together. Ay ay. What are we camping? Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, we must be. get a cool cabin in like Asheville. We don't have to camp. Asheville. That's right. It was dope. no, no, was, we're not. I know. Camping. I know. Because if we went camping, you I'm wouldn't even to be there. The, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm trying <laughs> to keep the ship going someplace where I want to go. Yeah, <laughs> no. Let's go to the beach. Let like on the hottest day. Yes. With the most <laughs> sun. We'll play right on the beach with Danny. Yeah, I will last five minutes and then you will hate me. <laughs> I went to fun fact, really quick, like segue story. I went to the beach with some friends uh, after college, and I didn't know this, but behind my back they were taking bets on how long it would take me to complain <laughs> about being at the beach. Because like we made it to the boardwalk, and I just like I I I kicked off. I was like, I don't I can know why I'm here. Him. I, can I, just I hate him. sun. I hate sand. I, I hate the. Water. 
what am I doing here? <laughs> People are like, who had seven minutes and 42 seconds? Like, it did not take much time at all. It was That's awesome. it's not a place for me. Yeah. So, okay. okay, so not the beach then. Not the beach. No. <laughs> the beach. Yeah. Well, if we went to the beach, I would just spend the whole time inside anyway, because I also do not do well in the sun. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, let's, I mean, let's make goals. Let's, let's make our own goals now that we don't have an event to go to and... Yeah, I think and that that's first goal. There. First goal is to figure out where we want to go and what we want to do. Uh, we could call it Dwarf Nova. Um, nope. Oop. As long as you don't charge me one hundred and fifty dollars for go it. Or the wank boys. Or or Dwarf Nova. Dwarf. For those are those those eighties children who remember who Dwarf is. Um. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's that's um, I think that's the first goal for us is to try and figure out where we want to go, when we want to do it. Um, my wife has already said you guys should definitely go do something because this is the thing that you guys look forward to every year. So go, you know, go have some fun somewhere. Um, you know, COVID permitting, right? So, um, so that's goal number one, and that's. Our first, that's my first question to you guys. Question two is, this has pretty drastic ramifications for Nova itself. So how do you guys feel that this is going to affect the convention in the future, not just this year? I'll start with Jason, because I think he has some thoughts already on it. I have no thoughts. Um, no, so for me, you know, despite this podcast, our friendships, all of that thing. Like Nova was, was an outlet, right? Like we all have families. Um, and that was where I could justify spending time away from my family with friends, doing something that I truly love. And the reason that I was able to make that justification on spending money and spending five, six days away was it went to charity. I can't tell you how many times when we were, in the lounge and I'd go to get another drink, which if you truly know me, everyone knows that I'm not a big drinker, but I was able to cut loose at Nova and drink probably too much because it was for charity. Um, so, you know, Nova, unlike some other conventions has overhead because they are a charity first, a charitable organization first, a gaming convention second. So when the announcement came out, you know, they put out a, Wonderful video. If you haven't seen it yet, you should go watch that video. We'll link it in the show notes. But they um, they asked. Like, you know, they gave us all kinds of options. You could get a refund. You could put your funds to next year. Or you could um, put the money that you spent for the event already, and that's buying your con badge, buying, signing up for the events, signing up for classes. You could donate that to them. Um. You know, once again, we all have our own things going on. You know, everyone has their own financial burden. Everyone has their family. But for me, I wanted to ensure that they covered their expenses. Uh, So I donated 100% of everything that I had uh, lined up. Um, When that charity kicks up, I'll donate even more. Um, Because for me, it's, it's about that. It's about, it's selfish. But it's about having a justification to spend a whole lot of money and a whole lot of days away from my family with friends in a social setting doing something I love. So 
that's kind of my take on the risk that Nova has in canceling. Um, even though they're canceling and it's COVID, I'm sure they got a lot of their deposits back or some of their deposits back. Uh, booking a hotel and basically taking up the entire room block, there's a financial commitment there that yep. you're not getting everything back for. So, I mean, no. anything else no. to add? No, that's a perfect that's – a, that's exactly, I think, how – we all feel like it 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 felt good to go and blow money with your buddies have a good time and just know that every you know every bit of what you were spending was going to an excellent cause um and for those who don't know most of the money that the nova charitable foundation um goes to is the doctors without borders which is even even more important now than it has been in the past um so you know i think that i think that what you said is perfect um and i'll see what danny thinks about this again (laughs) (laughs) oh well i think um i think it's you right now of fall into the the panic area right like it's we're a long ways out from next year, right? And a lot can happen between now and then. And of course, that doesn't mean you can be complacent or complicit. Like if you care about this convention and you value it, then you should do what you think is appropriate to help preserve it. Um, And so I don't say that to dismiss anything, but just to kind of maybe pump the brakes on the panic scale. Because you see some people on social media kind of be like, this is it, it's never going to happen. And I'm not. There's, there's, I think, a legitimate fear there, but I would say maybe let's kind of not put the cart before the horse on that front. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm personally disappointed that it, all cards on the table, table Nova Open is not like of personal significance to me the way it is for you guys, in the sense that it, uh, like I really look forward to it. It's a great time to spend time with you guys, and I, I had a great time last year, like more fun than I expected to have. Um, but it's not like the cornerstone of my year in a lot of ways that it can be for you guys. And so like, I am, I am disappointed, but I don't think I am as impacted. I don't think I'm as like gutted um, as I could be. And that might be why I'm a little more optimistic about its future as well, uh, or hesitant to, to worry about its future. Um, but uh, I would just say that if you can't afford or can't, or don't want to um, give Nova your money. I don't the, the the money that you already gave. Like I don't think you should feel guilty about that. I think there's obviously a lot of things that you can do with these days, and so don't feel you have to to give like let Nova just have your money. If you can let them hold it till next year, like you're not hurting them, so that's also a possibility. But if you you know can't afford to cough up a hundred and some odd dollars, what I if, what I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, is I think all the charity auctions are now basically going to covering the cost and then any overage from those charity auctions is now going to go to charity. So if they can raise the money through charity auctions to cover their costs, then that's good for everybody. And then if they can exceed that, then it goes to the charities. I, I might be wrong there, but I think that's how that's going to work. And so uh, if you can't necessarily cough up your $150, $200, whatever it was that you spent on seminars and game reservations, uh, put in a, a cheeky, you know, five twenty dollar bid on, you know, pretty cool Warhammer Underworlds 
Warband or anything else of your choice, and all that money is going to go towards helping remedy uh, the issues that are, are plaguing the, the convention at this point. So that would just be my kind of words of advice is just, you know, don't feel like you have to, to give it up and don't feel a social pressure. Everybody's got things going on, and I think um, I think that's okay. And, you know, if you can help in a small way, you should do that too. So that's kind of my view on it, you, Jared. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I'm just going to echo you guys. So, uh, you know, completely selfishly, it's the one event that we get to go to every year. And so, like, it's not necessarily altruistic for me to give my money to the convention because I want it to be able to run in future years um, because it's the one that lines up with schedules and it's the one that we get to go to. But, you know, Danny's, you've got a great point there. Like, just because you can't give it all doesn't mean that you can't give anything. So, you know, every little bit to cover those operating expenses, you know, is, is another, you know, another step towards them being able to continue the convention. And then, uh, you know, like Danny said, anything that that is over the operating expenses is going to go straight to charity. So it's just like business as usual once you get to the convention. So I know that for me personally, I'm probably going to be really nerdy and go through my credit card statements from the past two years for the those weeks and look at how much money I spent in the charity lounge. And I may even donate over um, the my original convention cost. So I may kind of figure out a figure and be like, okay, well, this is my budget for bidding on a sweet Warhammer Underworlds Thunderous Pop for Tears for band. <laughs> I was just looking for Danny's right. reaction. <laughs> hey, your money, man. You you vote with your dollar, brother. That's right. Literally this time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, you know, I you, I think the I think the video that that the Nova Open Convention posted is is probably the best place to get information about you know how your dollars will go to work, and so there will definitely be a link to that in the show notes. So if you have questions, you know, check that out. Um, awesome. That's great. Um, I've also, anybody you talk to that's interested in just donating just because they want to help the convention. Um, I think that that link that they provided will actually work for anybody who wants to make like a PayPal donation. So I had a couple of friends that, um, went to the convention before that were like, Hey, I'll, throw five or 10 bucks at it just to make sure that the convention keeps going. So yeah. if, if you have anybody that, you know, wants to go event, you know, in the future and they're like, well, Hey, I'll try and make sure that that can happen. Then, you know, point them to that link too. So yeah, um, the, the other, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it or if we've mentioned it in the rambling here, but like it, once they cover their costs, it all goes right. Like, yep. so let's yes. say their operating cost is two grand. If they get two grand, over two grand, everything else goes to charity. And that's that's the other big selling point. It's not like they're going to hoard it or sit on it for future years. Like, it, you know, they cover the cost and the rest goes to, to charity. So, yeah, they're um, they're making sure that they can cover the storage for all the stuff for every year. And then the, you know, some of the costs for the hotel, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, there's there's I'm sure that you can get a breakdown when we through the video and some other stuff. So, um but thank you guys for your thoughts. Um, Rippers are mine. We're going to take a break. Not if I get them first. <laughs> we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a minute with the next session.
right, yeah, so here we are, brave new world of more 40K, new 40K. It's a whole new world. Oh, sorry. You've said it. That's it, man. That's it. You completely defunded the entire <laughs> thing. Yep. This podcast is over. Charity money. Send it to Jason because he is now sued for millions of dollars. Um, <laughs> the mouse will suffer no disrespect. Uh, but we we have new 40K stuff to talk about. They've been kind of drip feeding us little morsels of information. And that obviously culminated in the big what's in the box reveal uh, today. Uh, or not today. Uh, yesterday. And, um, and so we have a lot to talk about on that front. I thought maybe we'd start with the good stuff. Start with the, the eye candy, right? Like everybody's looked at the models. Everybody's got a view. I'm going to start with the boys in blue because I've got a soft spot for the Ultramarines. And uh, they've released quite a few new models for the Ultramarines in this Indominus Crusade box. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight new units, it looks like. Uh, we got bikes. We've got... Bets. We've got Astartes with Chainswords. I don't know if you heard about what? that. Another what? chaplain, another captain, another lieutenant. We got the uh, Justiciar, a.k.a. Executioner, because that's really what we're all going to call it. Some new, like, Devastator kind of guys. I forget what they're called. And a new, uh, very Age of Sigmar-looking reliquary uh, standard bearer. Um, so I'm just going to throw it around the table. From the Space Marine models, don't get your filthy Xeno size on the Necron yeah. stuff yet, but just from the Space Marine models, let's talk about our favorite, favorite pieces of plastic crack. We're going to start with T-Dog. Trace, tell me, which one of these Space Marine units really caught your eye and why? Give me the, give me the, 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 the lowdown. I want to know. The du- Judiciar, for sure. <laughs> um, he, he epitomizes everything that I would love about a space knight because that's what he is um and is like a royal headsman in a space marine body so totally an executioner just love like how he's got that robe down on the right side like he's getting ready to do the business with that executioner's blade i think he's being a little flirty he's yeah, yeah. He's, he's showing a little skin showing a little skin little off power shoulder skin. dress you know? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's flirting with you before he decapitates you. Love it. Um, and I'm curious what the rules for the hourglass are going to be, because the yeah. hourglass has some kind of. It's I'm gonna bet very, some kind of re-roll, right? Like I'm sure re-roll I'm sure it, it all kind of thing, right? Well, like yeah. instead Tempor of like taking, mortis, the temper mortis. Yeah, like it strikes me as something that's like, oh, like re-roll all your wounds rolls or something like that. Instead of being like, pick the ones you want to re-roll, you re-roll them all kind of thing. What if it's something like the Stormcast Eternals have right now where you can choose to re-roll your failed hit rolls or re-roll your failed armor saves? If you can slow down time or speed up time. Mm. 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 Um, No, he's my favorite. He's my favorite by far. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if he's my favorite anymore, but he has got a very warm place. And, and he reminds me a lot. I don't know if you remember playing. I had that converted chaplain mm-hmm. that I made. Very similar pose and look. So I'm uh, I'm like, all right, GW, I see you. I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about you, Jason? What a love and off. You're going to go to me next. There's just... I don't know how how to pick. There, so not not my favorite model, but just a quick 
thing, and I, it's hard to like zoom in on it, so maybe I'm wrong. But on the assault squad, there's a tattoo on the guy's head of, an, of a um, double-headed eagle, I believe, and that would be cool because I don't think we've seen tattoos on Space Marines. Yeah, you should scroll and look at it. Yeah, I see. Um, so my my favorite model out of them all, and I think they are all stunning. But I'm gonna go with with the captain, like the captain with the iron halo, the shield, the the cleaved necron body in front of him, and the flip up visor. Yeah, it's pretty I like dope. It. <laughs> I like it. So um, you know the pretty dope. The skeleton on the shield is the added added bonus, but. You made a comment last week, or last week, two weeks ago on the cast, Danny, on how they've got their their flavor back with all the the doohickeys and imperial seal or um, imperial seals, um, purity seals, the you know belt buckles and doodads, and I just think that that is on full display in that model, and I can't wait for him to go beat some face. I wish he had a power fist, and maybe you can take one with a power fist, so you'll go into my crimson fist better, but I'll take a sword. And I Here's like the visor. You won't be able to use a, a power fist until they release Race the model with a power yeah. fist on it. Yeah. I know. But they, I can um, convert. <laughs> they kind of touched on that, Jason, in the stream. They did? Uh, where they talked about, like, the first versions of the Primaris Marines were created by Call, by Belisarius Call, And so that's why they're so, like, plain and flat, because, like, it's just a robot, like a robotic mind, made the the first generation, and now that they've been with their like parent chapters for you know hundred years or so, they're like, oh, you guys aren't so bad. Let's put some stuff on my armor. All this stuff that I've you know basically cast aside because I was a primaris marine. It's actually it's pretty helpful. I think I could I could have some faith in my life. So <laughs> that's that's the. Cool. They talked about that briefly, so it's cool to see that visualized and actually on the models now. Yeah, the the flip yeah. the the flip up helm though is it just yeah. so knightly, right? Like when you think yeah. of a knight and he flips up, you know. But anyway, yeah. I know some other people don't like it too, so that's why I really <laughs> like it. Yeah, I figured you just winded me up, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm not against the flea i think it's a very cool concept uh i need to see it in person before i'm sold on it the picture doesn't doesn't execute what i think it wants to in in my opinion um but i think it's a cool idea and i i I think it was a brave choice and it's one that i i commend i'm just not sure it lands for me but i love that model is freaking awesome and like we all it's always like a one little thing right like one little nerdy thing like jason's tattooed head that you're like oh this is the thing that like just pops this model for me and for me it's the purity seal wrapped around his forearm yep. holding the shield i don't know what it is about that but again like my old converted chaplain that's like what i did i just i, I had never seen anything like that when i converted him but now seeing that being done with somebody who has you know actual modeling skills other than my like stretched out green stuff it looks so cool and it's like somebody realized something that i had been imagining and it's just really cool to to see it like that but i think there's a really cool regal aspect to it and it like holding the shield is kind of like a cool new riff on the like 
hero pose that they love to do with one foot up because this kind of reminds me of that special edition lieutenant where he's got the chain sword and the orcs head and he's kind of like leaning on that like clearly they've developed some kind of modeling technology that allows them to do that and not to see it more and more because i think it's a really cool and refreshing hero pose in a lot of ways nah, i'm pretty sure that purity seal goes like all around the back of the shield too because like if you look at the bottom of the shield like it looks like it goes around the edge of the shield as well so like where it's wrapped i wonder if it's wrapped all the way up through the back and around his arm maybe i think really my cool. read of that it looks like it's just wrapped around the skeleton's legs but that would be pretty cool if it was all the way around yeah, yeah like he's like he's bound his shield to his body mm-hmm. to his arm with a purity seal that's mm-hmm. really tough you know <laughs> Old yeah. decrepit. It's papers. a spiritual <laughs> binding. <laughs> Jared, how about you? Which one of the the, the blue boys has stood out to you? Um, the helmets. <laughs> Just the helmets. No. So if I have to pick a unit, it's the blade guard veterans. But the helmets are reminiscent of Grey Knights, and so. <laughs> It's all about you, Jared. Uh, it is all about me. You did ask me what my favorite <laughs> unit was. I don't know how else I'm supposed to interpret that. No. So I really like the Blade Guard veterans. Um, I've always appreciated like melee space marines. So in the the brief amount of time that I dabbled in your standard Codex compliant space marines, it was with a uh, a counts as Black Templar Army, um, where I was running the Exorcist chapter, which let you run whatever rules you wanted. Um, and so I had a lot of uh, melee units in this right here. I mean, reading the rules, they're Guard veterans. They've got Mastercrafted Power Swords, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is damage two, right? Which is sweet. Like So they hit like trucks, and they've got Storm Shields, so they can take a pounding. Um, so not just not just the aesthetics, but like what they are capable of on the tabletop. Um, but just visually, I think they're my favorite because they're, they go back to that, they, the stern guard veteran, the robed veterans. Um, I mean, the tilting shields are like a huge touch. Um, but yeah, I mean, they look like knights. They look like knights in space, especially mm-hmm. with those helmets. With the, it looks like they're doing like the personal hero which is cool yeah which is you know a rip off from the the gray knights but i think that's a cool touch for space marines gives them more character right yeah it's just more creative space which is awesome it's always yes. good to have yeah yeah and I, I like the unit coming into like you know just generic space marines because the ultramarines already kind of had those with uh uh calgar's bodyguards right yeah right and those were some of my favorite new sculpts that they've come come out with but yeah can't work those into my into my army so it's nice that i can have yeah have these now so yeah so i just together i think cal like the new calgar with his bodyguards and these guys together is just gonna look really impressive yes uh well since the captain was my favorite i'm gonna throw an honorable mention i really do like this guard i really like the kind of uh he's got kind of like the plague doctor apothecary kind of call thing going on over his shoulders and i i do think I'm, i'll be sad because i think this is banners kind of going away in the modeling sense like i think they're going to get away from modeling banners 
they don't produce a decal for it. They know that most people aren't going to be able to freehand on it. And so I think doing these kind of things, you see them in the Sisters of Battle line as well. I think that's going to be the direction they go. So I think part of me is sad because it, it does kind of usher out an era that I think will be well missed. But I do think that that kind of standard looks really cool. And I think the model is, is awesome. And there's a little mech hand that I don't know. They made a joke about it to make sure that we knew, like, it's a handy device, but I have no idea what it's going to do. So I'm, I'm kind of curious about that as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really before, like that model too. Yeah. Before we go into the Necrons, is anything from the Space Marine line jumping out to anybody as something that they do not like? Because I no, definitely have one. No, but. no. Like, like, I'm only disappointed in the bikes because of my Ravenwing background. Um, but... The more and more I look at the bikes, I can't wait to incorporate them into the Crimson Fist <laughs> with the chain swords. Uh, and more importantly, not in the box, um, but the two additional models, the go-kart, which is really an ATV. From... It's-a me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. I love the, the ATV. Like, yeah. I, it is getting so much flack online, and I'm sure that someone on this podcast I loves it. I hate it. it. <laughs> That was your was that your model? Yeah, I can't stand it. it. And I think part of it is honestly because I think it's a big it, it's a dud compared to what I imagined, right? Like we've heard this rumor of like a space marine warthog kind of thing, you know, for a long time. And then when you finally got to see it and it's like, all right, like what are these weird ass like headlamps? There's like no armor on the front of it except for a weird little like crotch shield and it looks like if Batman's motorcycle just kind of smashed into another version of Batman's motorcycle. And I'm just like, it just felt really underwhelming more than anything. Like I'm sure when the model is on the table, it'll look fine. But when everything else from these boxes were so exciting and so good, and I love the bikes, I think the bikes are great. And I, I see the visual ties to the bikes. Like I, I, like I get that it's maybe mildly hip not the go-kart but like i think it works really well as a bike i think this like i just don't even buy the functionality of it like it's so close to the ground like it's just like it doesn't read as space marini as i would like it to now that said what i said to you guys right off the bat is i'm sure i'm gonna love the way it plays so i will absolutely have one because the idea of a fast close combat hard-hitting army is what i always want my space marines to be so I will suck up and, and deal with it, but it's not not for me. I, I'm pretty bummed about it. All right, so here's what I what I like about it because I think that the design fits with everything else, right? The only so the only knock I have on it is I hope that there's a rule where it can't shoot behind it behind the model, like that's like which there won't be the way that the game is designed now. They can shoot at any point off at any point, but there's no way to turn that turret around, and that's my only issue with the turret that's on top um but if you take the cabin that the driver is sitting in and even the little loin armor shield and you go back to the land speeder that's almost like a cabin for a land speeder or even a, a heresy land speeder it looks just take the gun the guns and the wheels off of it and the cabin is there it's like one side of a land speeder right and then, then you take the the wheels. The wheels are off the new bikes. The back end of it looks very much like a trike, 
like the trike wheels um, with the with the landing piece. And then the way that they have the crossbars going across it, like they're the support bars or like the roll cage that will never function like a roll cage. <laughs> You're taller than the roll cage. <laughs> <laughs> um, it fits the new transport from the Primaris line as well as going back to the Landspeeder. So mm. for me, like there's a little, little hints in there that, you know, the designs all fit together. I understand why like people are, giving it a hard time because it does look like a go-kart. It truly, truly does. Uh, but I love it. I It's it's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm just pretty sure I've raced that in Garner, you know? like, <laughs> And I've raced that. <laughs> yeah, probably have. But like I said, I'm sure it'll look better in person. Like, I always caveat those things, but just oh, didn't hit with me. Yeah. The only thing well, that I'll say I'm... about that, the only thing I'll say about that, the go-kart, is just that, I'll kind of fall halfway between you. Like I like the design. It's the only one that it's the only one out of this whole set that feels a little rushed. Like it's it just doesn't look finished to me. And I think that that's the thing that's probably throwing it off, at least for me, is it just doesn't look completely done. It looks like there should be something else on it. Yeah, um, I agree with that. So I think that that's probably what's throwing some most people off. It does look like a go-kart. I do think it's going to look better in person because that's just kind of how we've learned to, to assume GW models will be. But that's the only thing I can really think about it. I like the model. I just feel like it it doesn't live it doesn't hold up to the rest of the models that are in this box. No. And it doesn't hold up to in my opinion the the Gene Stealer cult ATV thing, which is yeah. Awesome. No, I would agree with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yep, yep. The jackal, the jackal bikes or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea what they're called, but they're they're super cool looking. Yep. But then, so that leaves us with the Xenos. Jason, hear it, <laughs> let it out. What do we love? And don't say all of it. Um. So I won't say all of it, but just to have a Xenos line being redesigned, and this really this looks like a complete redesign. Like there's hints to the way that they used to be, but it, you know, I, they're just going to continue to grow this line. And that's really what's exciting is they're delving into a non power armor line of models and completely, completely redoing it. Um, you know, my favorite, um, this gotta be, I mean, it's not in the box. So, but it's one of the other models. <laughs> but uh, in the box would be the destroyers. I, you know, uh, Necrons need really beefy close combat. Um, you know, they're they're robot machines, and and those destroyers. Although we talked about them last cast, like they just they're so cool. They're tripod walking skeleton machines. Murder bots. Yes. Yeah. Melee murder like bots. I like that. I I like the. Oh, did we lose Danny? Yeah. And I have the the bigger version of the weapon, <laughs> like, and I like that. That's fun. It gives you like your extra hail mary kind of strike, and I dig that. But yeah, I think that's cool. I I agree. Jason, are you? I know you. Um, when you dabbled in Age of Sigmar, you had uh an undead army flesh eater cords right yeah and so is this kind of the undead vibe of this kind of tickling your fancy a little more too or is that not really happening for you 
cackles in James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it it is very much still Terminator, and I like that that they haven't lost that aesthetic. But yeah, I do like the whole tomb, like, Egyptian style is still there. And for me, it's the story. I mean, now with the Silent King coming back, you know, we really are going to find out what Necrons are about, why have he, why is he awoken, what are they trying to do? Because you have to remember that the Necrons are, like, one of the oldest races in 40K, right? Like, they've... Yep. They were there at the fall of the Eldar, right? So that the Eldar before real chaos, and it's just they've destroyed gods. These they've enslaved gods. They've you know made deals with gods to get them living forever, and they've been silent and asleep. So what does this bring to the story? Um, but yeah, they do. They fit that aesthetic even more now with some of the subtle additions to the model range. Yeah, I kind of like that they like it still has obvious some very obvious Egyptian flair to it, but I really like that they kind of leaned away from the Egyptian look. Yeah, you know, so they, mm-hmm. like I, th- I think the line had gotten a little um, like hokey almost, and like how much it was like, all right, well, what Egyptian trope can we turn <laughs> into a miniature? And like going into a more undead space, I think makes them much more creative and a much cooler line trace any of these bad boys jumping off the digital pages for you uh yeah not Um, enough spikes or it's fine (laughs) if it kills marines i like it um (laughs) (laughs) um, no i actually have two um the new overlord i think is really really well done um he just kind of he just looks like a badass and i think he doesn't. He doesn't displace the current Overlord so much that you won't want to have both. So like, mm. one has that really cool scythe, and then this guy has this really like cool warglave, um, and they both have very kind of distinct stance stances, which I think is really really good. So they, I like that it doesn't upstage the current Overlord, which is not that old, um, so much that you wouldn't want to have both. Um, the one that really has me kind of intrigued for the Necron players of the world is the Plasmancer, though. Um, are you getting Robo Space Wizards, Jason? What do you think? Because they say that they're going to use plasma, and it looks a lot like magic, but it's plasma. So, Space Wizards. Robo Space Wizards. No, I, I like think, it. I think it's cool. Yeah, I think they're going to be more like resurrection style like bring bring things back but i mean i wouldn't wouldn't um shy away if it was more magical the the overlord thing the one thing that i wanted to bring up to the group is is uh in his right hand he has this punching device i don't know what it is it looks it's it's tachyon arrow oh is that it says what it is yep it's super cool looking it's like i'm gonna punch you with this and inject a arrow into your I'm sure Very it's shooting, but creed. it's like a yeah. like a wrist-mounted bolt thrower or something. Yeah, that's cool. It, al- it almost looks like a scarab, a little bit on his head. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Um, that's what I that's thought it was at least initially. Yeah, that's what I thought it was initially, and I saw that spike, and I was like, "Huh, that's not a scarab yeah. at all." Yeah, but the like, if they get magic, cool. I mean, you know me, I'm such a big magic user, so. 
I don't think it'll be. Le- I don't think it'll be less magicy and more like the the litanies. I think it'll be more of the litany style. So they'll be like, um, on a two up, you get this thing for this mm. turn. Yeah. I don't. I, th- I think it'll be less casting and more. It's either on or off. You don't blow yourself up, kind of deal. <laughs> Jared and these bad boys, literal so, bad boys. I'm I'm really digging all of the like really kind of exotic models that are coming out. So the yeah, so the plasma site, the and then the canoptic reanimator. So these things that just look utterly alien, that don't have like a humanoid form at all. It 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 gives me almost kind of like a matrixy vibe. So like all of the bots from the matrix that were not humanoid, like in any shape or form, um, they just looked utterly alien. Um, and you know, whether they're support or they're, you know, war machines that are towering over, you know, the line infantry, just the, the visual of that, where you have these very humanoid looking line soldiers. And then these very alien, monstrosities that are like floating over the army um it just evokes some like really cool imagery for me they're they're my two favorite i've been i've been referring them as the the sad boys they just two little sad like their little heads are just like drooped down they don't really have any little weapons and they're just kind of like oh we want to be real necrons too and like i don't know they're adorable but they're also kind of, kind of scary looking. Like, there's a cool thing. Like I want to hug them, but also like the but, the concept of them is kind of terrifying. And like the legs on the the War of the Worlds looking Walker kind of thing is definitely pretty badass looking. But yeah. just like their little droopy heads and their little like single eye. Like if that was if you imagine those animated in like a Pixar style, and you'd be right. like, oh, this is like Wally's best friend. Yeah. The the thing that kind of the the Canoptech reanimator um if invokes for me is the are the the rabbit creatures from the dark crystal a little bit like did you guys ever see the dark crystal like the the land striders or whatever that's what that reminds me of because they had these like really long stilty legs um but yes danny they do look kind of sad <laughs> it's so clearly cool yeah, but i think it's really impressive i think yeah, the line is really yeah. really impressive and i think yeah. I think something that GW has cleverly done over the last few years is they've kind of let the Xenos armies be the, like, for lack of a better term, the tall armies. Like, they have all of the big, tall models so that, like, they jump out as distinct on the field, right? Like, the, the tiers of model size is really impressive. Um, anything jumping out to you that you're kind of like, oh, that's a bit of a miss, or I wish they could have done something different with i'll let this just kind of go to the the room anybody got anything yeah, i mean my favorite model because i didn't bring it up because of what's not in the box but that new heavy destroyer is yeah, cool like they kept the aesthetic kind of that you know like beetle carapace on the yeah. back but putting those what look to be like jet en- engines underneath i've never really cared for destroyers the way they've looked um but that destroyer like looks badass and i just want to have it on the table and shoot things with it yep it looks like his oversized like gravitational things are needed to hold him up like it looks like uh 
I don't know, almost like they need to be fatter to keep him aloft. Just because yeah. they look so swollen. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of um it reminds me a lot of like something that you might see in um like Gears of War almost. Something kind oh, of like yeah. bulbous. Looks they look cool. It's a really cool model. Yeah. He's a thick daddy. He, he is, is thick. He's thick. Two C's. Two C's. <laughs> so how do we feel about the new Necron Green? I like it. Is it different? Well, it's not clear <laughs> plastic tubing anymore. Yeah, no, it's but it's it's a very pronounced paint scheme, and I'm just curious. I mean, it reminds me of like the the uh, kind of like accent greens that they used on Dark Eldar when they redid them. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, poison yeah. vials and stuff. It's kind of the same same tone. So I'm I'm into it. I I think that it works better. Now that they've kind of embraced this like bronzy color, too. Uh, okay. Um, and that that's another reason why it probably looks a little different to use because like you're so used to seeing that silver with the green, that uh. like that shift to the bronze, the warmer tones on the armor, like it makes that green pop more. So I like it. I think it. I think it works really well. Yeah, as far as the, I mean, as far as the color scheme goes, I need to see the book and have the explanation of the Silent King because these guys are probably painted in the the Silent yeah. King colors, and I want to see how they incorporate all the other dynasties in in with this line. Gotcha. Yeah. This this would be pretty easy to do though, like as far as like if you wanted to speed paint it, because all mm-hmm. you'd have to do is like spray it. You could do it like a darker silver color, and then. Or like even a brighter silver, and then just go over the different bits with contrast. So like the brass, the bronzy armor, you could go over something like skeleton horde, and then do something else to kind of grime it up and make it look more of a coppery color. Yeah. Um, and then for the metal bits that are black or darker, you just have to go over with something like basiliconum gray or um, or even black templar that's kind of cut in half, and it would you would basically get the same kind of scheme as this. Well, I think, yep. and I then mean, you spend seven hours painting all of the tubes and wires on the Canastic yes. Reanimator. Yeah, correct. Right. Yep. But I, Necrons have always kind of filled that that need, niche with GW. Is I mean, when they came out, it was like spray them silver, but not mm-hmm. like paint them silver and they're done and wash them, right? So it doesn't surprise me that they went with a um, color scheme that could really highlight contrast paint. Um, and get these guys painted up quickly and on the table um, just to bring in a different player, right? So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the box. I'm I, I'm pretty impressed by and large. Uh, yes. I did think it was kind of funny. They may catch the part where they're like, there's so much stuff in it, we could fit dice. And it's like, you just didn't uh, want to put dice. <laughs> you know, like, totally missed fine. that. That's fine. Like, or, it's... it's or a flat ruler. Right. Like, yeah. like, it's fine. Like, I mean, it is, I think it is kind of redundant at this point, right? Like, obviously, you yeah. will have people that are first-time purchasers that would appreciate having that. But most people that are going to buy it, they don't need the dice or the ruler. But I just thought it was like, like come on. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> there's some curve on that that, that speedball. Um, there's also we, not like, like a quick start guide either. They didn't put the quick start guide or anything yeah. like that in there. It's, yeah. They said it's all in the book. Yeah, it's so, all in the rule book. I mean, quick start guide is in the rule book. That's all you need. What do you? I mean, what do you guys feel about them all being push fit? Yeah, I don't really love that. 
I mean, like most things have been easy fit or whatever, you know, like these kind of the starter box have been kind of like easier to assemble, but not necessarily push fit. But I mean, the the underworld stuff is all push fit and it goes together relatively nicely without some some models that are not as friendly to the push fit design. But in general, it's pretty impressive. Um, But it's not I prefer the like kind of they kind of had the like tongue and groove kind of setup for the last set right where like pieces had like a notch mm-hmm. and like that to me i think is a much better system than the push fit but yeah. right because they did say that these are all push fit yeah they are yeah they're not just like easy to build they're 100 push fit they're not think, mono just mono pose there yeah i think what i'll say about that is that they've just gotten so good at where they hide those joints that i'm i'm less concerned about that it's it's you know we're so used to having a little bit of choice and how we put some stuff together um i I think i think that they'll they'll obviously release independent kits for all these things but at least for a beginner set i think it's a good move because now that person doesn't have to buy glue right they don't have to buy glue they just have to have clippers well good thing they don't have to buy glue since they have to buy dice yeah i know (laughs) that's like i don't i don't yeah i think just go ahead danny no, okay, you didn't finish your point. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to cut no, you. No, I, I just think um, I think from a completely entry point stand, like from an entry point standpoint, like not having to, you know, super glue and plastic glue for people who are just getting into the hobby. Like if they, if you've never built a model before in your life, that could be a, you know, semi intimidating. Well, if I glue this wrong, I'm in trouble. Like, so I kind of get it, but you know. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that I think it's a little overthought, personally. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's one of those things, like, it sounds, it's one of those things, like, you get in a meeting room, and you're like, oh, we have to design a new starter set. Like, what's going to make it approachable? Let's make it push fit. And it's like, I don't think that that functionally changes. And also kind of, like, the moment they, like, it's, you know they're going to walk in a GW store, and their GW salesperson is going to upsell them. They're going to say, all right, well, you buy this, and then you can buy this box. And, like, they're going to have this box of push fit models and then they're going to have a space marine captain that is not push and it's like it's not a i think an accurate representation of what you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. that's fair and like I just, i'm not sure what that it really benefits much and then most of like your traditional and hardcore hobbyists hobbyists are going to not would prefer not to have it so i just think it's kind of, one of those things. it's a little overthought in my opinion yeah, for me, for me, it was like so. You know, Danny doesn't want the Necrons, so he's like, "Hey, do you want the other Necrons?" And it's like, I'm already buying a box because I need both sides. But do I want a second set of the Necrons, knowing that really the Warriors are the only model in there that I probably are gonna want because all the other stuff is monopose? Like, I mean, I, you know, the Destroyers would be would be nice and the Reanimator. Yeah, but they're all they're all gonna look the same. I I was kind of hoping that they would be the full kits and you could customize the way that they would look. So, but anyway, I know I had the best there. starter kit, third edition. <laughs> oh my god! Here no, it didn't go. because it included I, Dark Eldar. Yeah, it, it, full kit Dark Eldar, full kit Landspeeder, like, full kit Space Marines. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Fourth edition had Tyranid. You, did they have the stupid little palm trees? No. Fair. <laughs> All right. But 
the other thing that kind of happened over the course of the last two weeks is they kind of uh, drip fed a lot of rules. And obviously we don't have a lot of time to go through through all of these rules, but they covered stuff about some of the new phases in the game, uh, the crusade system, uh, some new adjustments to the match play system, uh, overhaul of command point, uh, completely changing the way the battlefield is set up with terrain and the battlefield sizes. Uh, of course, I don't know if you guys heard, but tanks and blast weapons are back this year. Uh, <laughs> oh, are, and they? are they just like some... third edition? Back, baby. <laughs> and then some adjustments to this new keyword aircraft uh and so i'm sure everybody read through at least one or two of these articles things that jumped out to you guys so i thought maybe we could do a little round table and talk about uh, just one of those kind of sections of rules each about that doesn't that really jumped out to you it's like oh i'm excited or this is interesting or i'm curious about how this is going to impact the game going forward uh and so jason why don't you tell me which one of these kind of rules topics you found particularly intriguing Oh, mine's so trivial. Like and I, that's even better. Like <laughs> the the uh, board size, and that's I'm not, not saying trivial, man. That's not well, trivial at all. Yeah, well, just listen to my re- li- listen to my reason though. <laughs> like I'm sure that it makes sense. Like I understand they're trying to get it more on an approachable table. It speeds up play. You know the the train rules will go into it. Um, they want melee to be back, so cut down some, you know, some um, distance there. But for me, I have I don't know five, six neoprene mats. I have a realm of battle board, and I understand that you can do things like you mask them off, you can cut them, you can do all those things. But it's just, just irritating. Like I have three, yeah. three metal shelving units in my on my third floor that are all six by fours and i I, it just bothers me it just bothers me i I don't (laughs) agree that i think one thing that i think is cool about the new board sizes is that thing is rectangular now like no more like four by four square games uh which i think is is cool because it kind of uniforms it but my kind of initial gut reaction because i'm always pretty skeptical about these kind of changes is like ah here we go. I'm sure there'll be another $300 realm of battle table that you can buy that like somehow erector sets into the different sizes and, and like, and, and that's all well. And I'm being pretty simple on that, but uh, I don't think it's insignificant. And I think, you know, you see a lot of this kind of call, like, Oh, you can, like you said, you can tape it off or you can cut your mats, or whatever. It's like, that's, that's fine. Yeah, you can do that. But like, just because you can hobby something doesn't mean like, Oh, well that now it's right. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you, no. you have to, your property and that's like and you're a jerk if you think that that's a bad idea like, no like, yeah. like i bought something i should be able to use it and you can of course you can do whatever you want on the game but standardized version of the game it won't be so you know yeah so i don't think that's necessarily trivial no no that's substantial well and it's important to note too that like i think at this point with the new boards everything can be built with kill team boards so yeah. if you buy the kill team boxes think you get one by the time you get four boards you get to the full size table i think the what are their cardboard right like a yeah, board yeah. Game. yeah they're heavy i cards. cannot they're... think of a more unpleasurable 40k experience across four separate cardboard boards <laughs> what i will say is like no the, kill, the kill team boards are actually pretty nice though like they're not i mean as far as cardboard goes yeah like, they're they're pretty nice like they lay pretty flat um 
I do think that you will have some issues with four of them trying to keep them all aligned. But, um, but I, I, I mean, I, I like that accessibility kind of approach from them. Because now if you spend $300, you have a full board and you have the terrain to go on it if you buy those kill team boxes, you know? Yeah. So, like, yeah. there's a little bit of a silver lining there. So, like, even – and you don't have to paint it. Like, you don't have to paint the boards. You can paint your terrain, but you don't have to paint the boards. So, yeah. Uh, so, Trace, was what was the, the rule document that kind of jumped out to you this week? Vehicles. Yeah. Um, mostly because, like, what have I been painting? I've been painting Admech. <laughs> what do Admech have a lot of? Vehicles. Um, some of which are, are on my paint table right now. And if they retain their vehicle keyword, they're going to be gross. Because if you can... So for those um, unfamiliar with the Admech... Um, the Castellan robots, which are the Danger Will Robinson robots that everybody seems to love, um, they have the vehicle keyword. So if if you get them into combat and you have them in the shooty loadout, they can then shoot you in the face with their phosphor blasters and then punch you right after. Um, and they, sh- they shoot a lot. Like, you can... <laughs> You can. They have a rule where you can basically double their firepower by turning that on for a turn. Um, so you go from like nine shots per robot to eighteen shots per robot, and then their strength six minus two AP and one damage. Like that's crazy. Like so, you can put them out in front and be like, "Come charge me. I don't care. Like I'm gonna shoot you either way." So yeah, I just I just think it's a really like that kind of spoke to me, and then, um, yeah, I mean, I just think that that's a really neat thing that you can do. Like it, it makes sense for a vehicle. And some other things that popped into my head were things for other armies, like plague burst crawlers, right? Like that that model wants to be in your face. It's a toughness eight tank with a three up armor save, a five up and vulnerable save, and disgustingly resilient. So like. It's made to take hits, and so you put it up there, and when it's in combat, now it can shoot you with both of its flamers while it's in <laughs> combat with you. Like, yep. that just, I was just, the vi- the visual on that is super, super cool. Um, so, you know, some of those, that's what got me the most excited, was just seeing how those, the new interactions that can happen with some of those tanks and vehicles and yeah. stuff. So, yeah, I'm excited to I've... see where the future holds. Yeah, and I think, you know, they, it all sounds really exciting. I like the idea, too, that you can shoot into an enemy in engagement zone, which I think they explained was just within one inch, which is the typical thing from they just gave it a name. Um, right. Uh, but you could shoot into an enemy that's in engagement range with an with a friendly unit as well. So, like, as long as it's not a blast weapon, you can you can fire away, which is kind of fun and, and cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jared, how about you, buddy? Terrain. Shocker. So, yeah. <laughs> so just, um, I, you know, it's cool to see them doing some depth with the terrain rules again. Um, and so they, the, what they talked about was that every piece of terrain is going to have a series of keywords and each of those keywords is going to mean different things. And the one that really stands out that's probably the most meaningful is the obscuring keyword. 
and I won't go into the full details for the rules, but basically what it means is that for most models, you cannot be shot through a building. Um, I think the larger vehicles, so... Uh, 18 plus wounds or flyer or aircraft. Or aircraft, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's going to provide for some, you know, really, um, really beautiful tables that are still functional um, in providing cover for you know, for your units from the big guns. Um, and with the 18 plus wounds, you know, they brought this up. Like I, I would be able to shoot my anti-tank rounds at a night, but the night isn't going to be able to return fire onto the infantry unit that has those anti-tank rounds, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I also um, think the idea of bull keywords is really cool too, because you can kind of like the one, the examples they use, right, is light cover and heavy cover, like light cover giving you cover for, Range weapons, heavy cover, you cover from melee weapons, and then you could have something that gives you both light and heavy cover. And so I think that's kind of a, a, a really smart system of how to build terrain rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be cool. And they said that basically every every piece of GW product is going to be like cataloged with its keywords. And then. Well, like suggested keywords, right? Like, yeah, right, right, right. Um, and then, but that it, but it also becomes part of the table setup phase is you define right. all of the keywords for every piece of terrain on the table. Yeah, so I think that's, that's really exciting. I, um, personally, like I, there's one that I am curious about, but it's not the one that I'm most excited about is the, the change to aircraft rules simply because of this introduction of an aircraft keyword and if you look at the list of models that they give an example of that would have the aircraft keyword there are no flying tyranids on that list so i'm wondering if like flying monsters are going to obviously they're not going to be qualified as an aircraft so like how is that there's going to be some kind of out outward ripple effect of this definition that i'm curious to see what it is we we were kind of in the dark at this point but there's evidence that there will be that change. But for me, the the the, the obvious one is the crusade system, but we can put that aside. When it comes to actual like nuts and bolts of the game, um, I am really happy with how they have chosen to distribute command points. I still have my druthers with the command point system, but the idea of gaining command points based off of the size of your army and then using command points to buy detachments I think is really smart because I don't think intended people to abuse the detachment system to gain command points the way they did. I think that was a completely overlooked uh, underestimation of the the gaming community. And I think it was really bad for the game uh, to have these kind of, oh, I'm going to take like, why would they have made the detachment that has, you know, six of everything if instead people were just going to take, oh, I'll take three of the elite ones and they'll get more command points. Like it was clearly an oversight of game design. And I think this should fix that. And I do think the idea of like gaining a command point per turn is, is kind of cool too, but um, you know me, ban the currency. That's all I want. Never, <laughs> never, will happen. never will happen, but I'll keep flying that flag. But there's a lot of, a lot of really cool, exciting things that it's, you know, it's that typical GW, like early, info right where they kind of give you just a very light taste of what the rule would be and you know we're not really going to see what the impact is until you get games in and that's always kind of the exciting part of a new edition so yep um but new models new rules ex- 
exciting times and uh, you know painful for our wallets. But I guess that's the game, right? That's right. <laughs> and so we'll take a quick break and we will be back shortly. And we're back. And finally, after this long, long episode, I get to talk about Underworlds. Yeah. Underworlds in the online variety. Um, So for those of you that know or don't know, uh, they're, what is it, Steel Sky City? Steel Sky Studios. uh, Has published Underworlds in season one um, as an online version, kind of. And uh, Jared and I have been spending quite a bit of time playing this video game, and we want to just give a quick review on what we, what are our impressions, uh, what we like, what we don't like, and where we see the game going. So, so Jared, how does it? We played a lot of Underworlds on the tabletop. How does it translate into a true 3D video game? I mean, I, I. as far as the actual gameplay is concerned, like it's a it's a pretty perfect translation. Um, you know, the board setup is 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 exactly the same. You know, you're like as far as following the rules go, like you both roll off. We are back in season one, so it's not using the full beast grave rules where the winner of the roll off gets choice. So we're back to seasons one and two, where whoever wins the roll off chooses setup whoever loses the roll off gets <laughs> three objectives i can't even keep it up anymore because we've been I, doing base grab rules for so long i don't even know like when that part happens in the video game it just I, literally like okay I, like it roll happens and it's like you're waiting for them to place a board okay they yeah, get three yeah. objectives just go yeah yeah i just yeah i just do what i'm told at that point um but it's really cool because it's not it's not like they just took a board game and made it digital it's not like they just took pictures of the boards and put them in the screen when you're playing the game they've created like a detailed environment around the board game so it's like you're actually playing in the city of shadespire you're not stuck with you know models on a board it looks like there are actual fighters in an environment moving around Um, and one of the cool things about that is that it's not like static models the models don't just slide around you don't pick them up and set them down when you click a model to move you click the model to move then you click where you want it to end and then the model walks that path so it's an animated action every attack action is animated when you get hit it's animated if you block an attack or dodge an attack it's animated you know inspire mechanics are animated um so it not only is it you know a one-to-one as far as gameplay translation is concerned all of the cards play the way that they play in the game you know dice are rolled uh you know you you draw cards you can discard cards like all of those things happen but you get um even more than the game because now it's like visualized and realized in a 3d environment which is just really cool it's very immersive there's sweet background music there's sound effects um i've really enjoyed it that part of it it's it's been a lot of fun yeah and i would agree like it translates well uh one of the subtleties that i really like is when a fighter is eliminated um you know they don't there's no gore like you know they're cut 
and blood spurting anywhere, they shatter. They shatter like shade mm-hmm. glass. Yeah. Uh, and I really, really enjoy that little subtlety um, of this setting. Um, the user interface is a little bit like it's it's intuitive. So to, like if you understand the game, you know how it works. The only thing that I would say is sometimes you can lose where you are in the activation step. Like, is it going to be your activation or is it my activation? And there's a little a little bar, but you have to be conscious of that. Because right. I can't tell you how many times I've, like, played a card or went to discard a card and it was playing. And I just kind of lost the step that, you know, in, in the tabletop where you're like, oh, I'm going to discard one, two, three. And it's like, no, you forgot to, like, go and say you're not playing anything right so every step is is there um but it also takes away that you don't forget to do something right so if you want to play trap um you're gonna have an opportunity to play trap it's not you're not gonna miss your window because you forgot it it's the window's there so yeah definitely uh translates well so from the games play standpoint what's what's good about it like, what are you really, really enjoying playing this tabletop game that we spent countless hours in playing, now playing it on the video game? What's yeah, good? so, I, I mean, I think I touched on it, just the, like, the animation. To be able to see, like, the fighters in action. To be able to see, you know, Gerzag beat his axes together when he deploys, and to see him beat his axes together and throw his chest out when he inspires, you know, to get... You know, all of these things that, you know, as a, a a player who has spent a lot of time playing, you know, RPGs, both pen and paper and video games, who's read a lot of, you know, like a, a lot of novels and I've watched a lot of movies. Like there's a very visual part of my imagination. And so, like, I can't say that I fully imagined everything that happens when I play an Underworld's tabletop game, but there is some aspect of it that is playing through my mind and it's cool to see that that actualized um and then the point that you just touched on is one that i think i take for granted when i'm playing the game is that you don't miss your reaction windows like you know if you have twist the knife in hand when you make a successful attack that card pops up in the ui and it's like do you want to play or do you want to pass and it happens every time whether you would take the fighter out without that card or not and so um, it's pretty cool to know that they've basically, you know, keyed into those reaction windows, you know, on a on an algorithmic level that that there's no missing it. There's no messing that step up. Yeah, definitely. Um, the good for me is you can play it whenever you want, right? Mm. So, um, yeah, the 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 user player base, I guess, is not super large like it is a tabletop game that's been scaled to a video game so there's still a a niche style of game but being able to you know be 11 30 at night and me boot up and say i'm gonna play one game of underworlds um is pretty pretty cool and then i also really appreciate the different order so we say it's almost season one well the reason it's almost season one is because they have not released Reavers, which is one of the first warbands to come out in Season 1. And they haven't released the Dwarves, which is another Season 1 warband. And they've already jumped to Thorns. So I like the different order of release in the warbands. 
And I like that not all the cards are currently present from season one, which has mm. created a different meta. Like, yeah. some of the meta is still the same, or some of the, you know, the, the season one stuff is still the same from season one. Sure. Um, you, you know, Magor's fiends are still pretty darn good. Sure. Uh, yep. <laughs> Thorns, still pretty darn good. Um, but there still seems to be enough discovery for me to play. And plus, I didn't always get to, to play those uh, war bands when I was going through Season 1 because I pretty much played Sepulchral Guard. So getting to go back and play as Far Striders a lot um, has been refreshing and entertaining. Um, but that also leads me uh, into the bad. So what do you not like about playing a video game based on a tabletop game that you love. So I think my least favorite thing is the lack of social interaction. So Warhammer Underworlds is designed by a company that prides itself on social gaming. Like if you talk to any of the major designers, any of the studio leads, you know, they want the the phrase beer and pretzels is thrown out a lot. They want beers and beer and pretzels games. They want a game that you can play that's immersive, that's fun, that's tactical, whatever it is, whether that's Warhammer 40K or Warhammer Age of Sigmar or Warhammer Underworlds, but they want it to be social as well. And that is utterly lacking in, uh, in, in, in the game in and of itself. There are communities out there. There is a Discord solely for Warhammer Underworlds online. You can join that. Um, and you can find games there. You can uh, reach out and see if your opponent is also in that Discord. I've done that, where if I'm playing online and I, I just do a quick search on the username in the Discord, and if they're a member of the Discord, I pop a quick hi in there, um, and you can get some interaction that way. But it, it, it is lacking in that department. There is no, there's currently no in-game chat. There's no, not even like a chat window, like no voice chat. Um, and so it, feels like you're playing against the computer a lot, um, which certainly takes away from, you know, the past, what, almost three years of Warhammer Underworlds that we've played? Yeah, three years. It, the, I would wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said, that it is, that sometimes it's boring. And then when you get a really, really good roll, like let's say you roll three crits, or you attack them and they roll two crits and it's, there's no interaction like, oh, I can't believe that just happened. Or, hey, but I'm sorry or that, that that just happened to you. Like, it's like there's just there's nothing. It's like, oh, look, the computer decided that I just roll three crits this roll. Right. And it's right. Um, it takes something away from the game game for sure. Um. You know, that would be my number one. My number two, the bad, is I'll go back to the whole, like, different release window, the lack of cards. Like, the game, sure. to me, feels very samey, which, to be honest, season one, at the end, like, through yeah. part of season two, felt that way. Like, you know, it took a really, really um, big shakeup of the banned and restricted list, uh, or the forsaken and restricted list, uh, as it's known today. Um, the to kind of shuffle season one. So, you know, in the current online state, you're going to see trap and twist a knife and awaken weapon and spectral wings and 
Not so much hidden paths yet, but that I'm sure will come out with more cards because um, that was like a staple. But there's, you know, there's passive play, um, but most of the time people are just going to one-shot you nonstop. Um, and that that can be frustrating just because there's not not a lot of not a lot of cards out there it's the yeah. it's the same it's the good ones and they've stayed away from some of the not so good ones but my turn in Shargale is in there so yeah yeah <laughs> uh. i saw a clip online the other day where uh gerzag charged a petitioner killed the petitioner um, and the warden was one step behind the petitioner so then he my turned took a Shard, damage Shargale. Yep, yeah, inspired and damaged the warden for one. Then my turn, pushed into range with the warden, and then I mean, Grozag is two hammers with a reroll. Might as well be three dice for smashes at that point against a one dodge, uninspired yeah. warden. It is. Yep. It was not good for the warden. We'll. we'll I'll just say that. <laughs> um, God, but, I miss but, those but, shenanigans. But that was season one, right? That like you could do that with. I mean, that was hidden paths, right? So hidden paths go zag into the back. You know, Shargale, my turn, boom! You just knocked out every. You know, every other fighter, any other fighter except for an inspired fuel Grimnir or another Gerzag. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, but but at the same time, then that's if that attack misses. That's right. your game, right? Because now if I'm passive Steelhearts and I'm sitting back there, I'm going to beat you up and you're done. Which, which don't get me wrong, like, I love the game. It's fun. It just feels feels that way. And maybe it's because I we've played it, we played it so long. And, I, think, um, I think that's probably it. Is it is, we've seen this before. Yeah. All of this has happened before. <laughs> to quote Battlestar Galactica. There you go. Um, so... So those are two, you know, some good, some bad. Where do you want to see the game go? Do you want it to catch up right away? Or where where would you like to see this version of Underworlds go? So I think I like the Warband Order shakeup. Um, I think at this point, though, it would be cool to see them implement the Beast Grave core rules. So the board choice being a choice and not just determined by the role and um, guard where you can't be driven back if you're on guard um, yeah. just just two things on there and that I think what I mean I, I think it would do kind of what it did early for um, for beast grave is it is it helps with the one shot meta right because trap is no longer an option if you're on guard Um and it helps the objective meta. So if you're on an objective and you're on guard, you know you can't just be pushed off. You know somebody's going to have to either kill you or play a ploy to do that. Um, would you want to implement the placing of the lethals too? I mean, it would be cool, but there aren't any lethal hexes in the game right now. So the two lethal, the the two boards with, or the one board, because it was only the one board that had lethal hexes initially in. There weren't, part, right? there weren't any. It was the board, the board was pack. One. The board pack. You had the, to board buy the board pack. pack. Yeah. 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 So the board pack, but it was only one side that had lethals, right? Or did both? I can't remember. I didn't buy uh, that pack until later, and now you can't even use it anymore. So I think they both had lethals on it. But 
but they aren't in the game yet. And so, I mean, it's just one more thing for the developers to have to implement and uh, just thinking about how, the, like, just how complex of a game Warhammer Underworlds is from a developer stance of all of the, the windows that you have to hit and all of the interactions that occur between models and cards and wound counters and, and all of these things. I know that it, it would not be trivial to implement Lethal Axes. So um, if they're not in the game you know, for a time, I think I would be okay with them only implementing, I guess, part of the Beast Grave rule set in that regard. So, but but doing Beast Grave rule set would be cool. Um, and then them continuing to be creative in the Warband order and the card order even. Um, I like how they've been restrictive, right? Like we haven't seen any Cataphrane Relics, which is just top-notch Damn perfect. Damn it. Um, because that that is oppressive. Um, until they cost two glory and can only cost two glory where you can't implement them with the cards uh, yeah can't use the uh ghoulish pact and uh spoils battle or whatever it is but um yeah i'm just curious to see where they go in that regard but i would like to see them continue to be creative as far as warband order you know that they go off the book and you know pull something from beast grave before they even finish all of the Night Vault warbands. And yeah, that, because that's going to be like a whole new meta where like even us veterans aren't going to know like, well, what does this game look like? Um, which would be cool. That's where I want it to go. Like next warband be Godsworn Hunt. Like give me something that is like way, way off the beaten yeah. path. Or, you know, uh, Despoilers. Give me the Despoilers as the next one. Whatever. Sure. Whatever, maybe just completely disrupt um, everything and then get the, the cards in there. But as a non-player trace, what would it take you? I mean, you, you play the tabletop game with us. What would it take for you to um, jump into the video game one? I mean, I bought it. But you haven't played it yet. I have played it yet. Oh, yeah. Wow. According look, to his Steam the... profile, he has played it. I have played it. I just haven't played it as much as you guys. <laughs> but that's just because like, I haven't played... I've been playing the other video game that I picked up, which is the Mechanicus stuff. So, um, so you know. what would it take for you to play more? I don't know. Like, I think it's just, um, I think for me, at least previously, and I think that this mindset still sits here, is I know every other every other week I'm gonna get I'm gonna play this game probably. That's probably a 75% chance that I'm going to play this game with you guys. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, I think it's just, you know, I think there's a little bit of like familiarity fatigue maybe because it is Mm. that season one stuff. I'm like, oh, I know how this goes. You know, uh, they're going to run in. They're going to do all this fun stuff. Somebody's going to die and then they're going to do it again. You know, Um I, I like it. I like I like the immersiveness of it. Um, I will probably play it more, but right now I'm just trying to do things that um, that bring me the most joy. And right now, painting is the thing that brings me the most joy, and it also keeps me from staring at a computer screen for another four or five hours a night. Um, yeah. And I think that that's the main thing that's keeping me from it. I like it, I and I probably will play it more 
I probably will. It's probably going to be the same thing as like what it is in real life. Like I'm just probably not going to play it as much as you two do. Um, and that could change. Um, you know, I could get in it and get the bug real hard and go deep. But um, right now I'm just really enjoying painting and trying to uh, unplug as much as possible. Hmm. All right, cool. So if they made like a real life tabletop <laughs> version of the game, you, could paint it. you would play it. <laughs> I do play it. <laughs> Well, good. No. Um, so that's, I mean, if you had to give it a, if you, if you had to give it a rating, Jared, to this game for, for people that, you know, are like us, where like we're social distancing or maybe they're still on quarantine, whatever it may be. Um, what would you say this is a must buy, maybe buy, kind of buy? What it, I think it's somewhere between must and maybe. Okay. Like, a, like four out of five stars, I think. And I mean, that could be, I mean, my bias might be showing here just because I enjoy playing the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, no game is perfect. Um, I don't think I could give any game a five out of five stars, but <laughs> I'd give it a three out of five only because of that interaction. There are definitely times in the online version here that it feels a bit, bit lacking. Um, just because there's not enough going on to, to stimulate my mind in a video game. Like there's a sure. lot long pauses and there's no social interaction, which even in video gaming, I typically play a lot of multiplayer games cause I want that interaction with people. So I'll give it a three out of five. It's well done. Uh, it translates well, good imagery. Uh, yeah. Give me the spoilers. So with that, well, we'll close out the section and come back for the sign-off. And we're back, and that'll round us out. As always, we would like to say thanks for listening. Um, we appreciate everyone taking the time. Uh, if you, you know, have the time, make the time. You know, leave us reviews and likes. Subscribe on your podcast listeners. Uh, if you want to follow us on socials, we are Battle Mallet Podcast on Facebook. We are Battle Mallet PCast on Instagram, Battle Mallet One on Twitter, uh, and we have a Discord server. The link for that will be in the show notes that you can check out. Um, you know, just want to reiterate, you know, we are disappointed about Nova, but uh, and we know others are too. But we want to encourage you. Um, to to do what I don't know how to say this. I can't be as diplomatic as Danny. To to follow your heart. There you um, go. And and do what makes sense for you um, when it comes to uh, your registration. If you were registered for Nova, um, I know that personally, I will. I would like to encourage you uh, if you can make it happen to donate something um, just because it is the one event that we get to go to and anything that goes over those operating costs will go to charity um, so we'll leave it at that um, so this has been episode 26 of the battle mallet podcast we are three dads and the only guy on the planet who actually planned on nova happening <laughs> guilty as charged this is jared signing out this is trace signing out this is danny pizza shop. What?
What? I missed that. Yeah, don't <laughs> buy Domino's or Pizza Hut. Go to your go to your local shop. Those guys are working. And I'm Jason Tableau Murray. Get the hell out of here. Peace. podcast is protected under the creative commons license if you have further questions as to its use you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com music by anno domini beats What better way to celebrate freedom than (laughs) Space Marines?